In case you missed it, my 12-week ketogenic video training program for women, Happy Keto Body, is now open for registration, but only for a few days. You can get more details at happyketobody.com. If you've been watching what I've been sharing over the last few weeks, you may already realize just how valuable this opportunity is and that it will only be available for a very short time. This is your chance to finally take the guesswork out of the ketogenic diet and end your frustration to master holistic keto, balance your hormones, lose weight, and feel awesome. When you join Happy Keto Body, you'll get access to the entire 12-week program with over 21 hours of totally new online video modules, access to convenient blood work testing and analysis by a doctor, 12 in-depth special guest interviews, downloadable worksheets, recipes, and meal plans to streamline your keto day every day, plus a supportive community of keto sisters to motivate and encourage you along the path to pure keto joy. And you get a bunch of free guides with your membership, including high-carb to keto food swaps, how to calculate your macros, traveling with keto, unplanning your keto meals, customizing fat intake for optimal weight loss, learning how to eat intuitively, and so much more. In total, you get access to over $200 in free bonuses. When you discover the perfect keto plan for you using Happy Keto Body, it makes all the difference between struggling, feeling frustrated, and falling off the wagon, or overcoming your frustrations and imbalances to finally get the healthy, sexy body you want. All details can be found at happyketobody.com, and I'm super Super excited to see you on the inside. Okay, now on to the podcast. You're listening to episode number 66 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about how to step out of keto rules and create a diet that works for you, how to tap into your body's feedback to determine what to do, what not to do, and what resonates with your body, how to overcome the fear you have with trusting your body and yourself, as well as the freedom that comes when you stop following the rules and start making changes that fit your body's individuality. So stay tuned. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com and this is the Keto Diet Podcast. Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. Starting keto and maintaining it long-term can be quite a challenge if you don't feel supported. My 60-day program, The Keto Bundle, provides you with clear step-by-step how-to on successfully adapting to a ketogenic diet, avoiding common ketogenic struggles, and healing your body completely and fully with a ketogenic diet. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash bundle and use the coupon code podcast, all in caps, no spaces, to get 10% off your order, exclusive for podcast listeners only. Now, let's get this party started. Hey guys, happy Sunday. I can't even believe it's 2018 tomorrow. If you celebrate New Year's and you're all about it, I hope you're living your truth and feeling awesome. I don't really do the New Year thing. I see a new year as being my birthday, so that's like a huge celebration for me. But if you're out partying or you had a great holiday season, if you do celebrate, that is awesome. Welcome back to the world. And I wish you all the health and success and love and amazingness in this new year. 
The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E66. The transcript is added to the post about three to five days following the initial air date of this episode. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. Perfect Keto is a partner of the podcast. Their exogenous ketone supplement is the most effective, best tasting, and most affordable exogenous ketone supplement on the market, or at least what I've been able to find. Perfect Keto exogenous ketones increase blood ketone levels by about 1.5 millimoles, which can be helpful for keto eating warriors who need a boost in mental performance, energy production, fat burning, or to help adapt to the ketogenic eating style. If you're struggling with keto, take for a couple of days and you'll be well on your way post haste. Perfect Keto is available in chocolate, sea salt, and peaches and cream flavors. My personal favorite is peaches and cream. Just add it to water, shake it up, and drink whenever you need it. Use the coupon code HEALTHFUL, all in caps, no spaces, for 15% off at healthfulpursuit.com ketones. Unsure of the link? Simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all the details. Okay, we have two announcements today. The first is that after our episode 54, which I'll include in the show notes, or if you're listening to a podcast player, you can just rewind back to episode 54. We chatted about artificial estrogens and we chatted a lot about the toxins in makeup, which really got me thinking and also a little bit terrified that I needed to finally give up my MAC makeup and switch over to something a lot cleaner that was going to support my health. Because I mean, let's face it, we all work really, really hard on feeling good and making adjustments for our health, but oftentimes we miss entire buckets of things. And my entire bucket of things was my makeup. And I knew, I knew I wasn't using the best makeup, but just having that conversation was just like, okay, I got to do this. So I've slowly been shifting out my makeup and I've been sharing pictures of my face recently. And you guys have been asking what I'm using because you notice that it's different. So I've been trying out a clean makeup from a site called Wild and Free and I am totally loving it. Wild and Free is a non-toxic beauty and skincare brand owned by a holistic esthetician from Virginia who believes that buying natural non-toxic products should be simple and accessible. Every product that she makes is handmade. Her name is Carolyn, and she makes them in small batches using locally handpicked ingredients to ensure quality. And she believes that no one should need to decode the ingredients in beauty products. So you can head on over to the Wild and Free shop in Etsy. I'll include the link in the show notes. And Carolyn was gracious enough to put together a coupon code for you guys. So if you use the coupon code HEALTH, P15, so that's H E A L T H P15 at checkout, you get 15% off your purchase. So I'm really excited if you're looking for some new makeup. I really, really love the mineral makeup. The coverage is awesome. And the mascara is really great too. And so is the eye serum. I mean, yeah, just it's all it's just all good. And also an app that I've been using to kind of get a feel for what are good things and what are not so good things in makeup is the Think Dirty app. You can go to thinkdirtyapp.com to check it out. It rates beauty and personal care products based on toxicity and rates the ingredients individually. So 
I would highly recommend maybe scanning some of your favorite products and seeing what comes out. I'm sorry in advance because it might frustrate you. All of these quote unquote clean products that aren't actually that clean, quite frustrating, but you guys asked. So there's the information, take it or leave it. Today's guest, her name is Beth Menos Breaky, and she is a cook, photographer, writer, and inspiration behind Tasty Yummies, as well as a certified nutritional therapist and yoga instructor. Beth believes that everyone, no matter matter their individual dietary issues can find their own path to wellness through exploration, experimentation, and intuition. Her goal is to provide support, tools, and knowledge along the way, empowering her readers to make better decisions about their diet and their health. Beth posted on Instagram a while back, I think around in August, about the glorification of busy, and that really resonated with me. I loved her message of taking time to just be still, to engage with herself and nothing else. We're conditioned to think that disconnecting is a selfish practice when really choosing to connect with ourselves makes us better aware of our wants and needs, which helps us lead more fulfilled lives. And that positivity spills over into everyone we meet and also the way we choose to align our eating styles with our bodies. So today we're going to be chatting all about honoring our sacred self and nourishing our individuality and understanding how our body sends us messages that we can then use to adjust our diet. So instead of picking up a book and wondering why XYZ is happening and we're fretting over something that happened and we're not really sure and we're reading all these books or reading all these blog posts, we're listening to all these podcasts, like why is this happening to me? Taking a moment every day to just check in with yourself, start journaling, start understanding what's happening to your body. It really takes the guesswork out of your diet because you don't need to guess anymore. You're using your body as a feedback mechanism to being able to make changes on the fly, knowing when you're hungry, knowing when you're not, knowing what you need. And although it sounds a little bit um, scary, I know that when I first started this work, it was terrifying. Like my body doesn't know what it needs. If my if it was up to my body, I would eat a pound of candy every day. But actually your body doesn't want that because it doesn't feel good that way. So it's like getting through all of that gunk to understand what your body actually needs and wants so that you don't have to be spending all of this time reading and listening and engaging with other things in order for other people to tell you um, what to do with your body. So without further ado, let's cut over to this interview. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. Hey Beth, how's it going? I'm great. How are you, Leanne? I'm so good. Thanks for coming on the show. I feel like you should have come much sooner than now. Well, I am happy to be here no matter when. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Thank you. (laughs) For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, how you practice keto, all the things. Great. So my name is Beth Manos Bricky. I have a website called Tasty Yummies. I've had my website since 2010 and it's kind of evolved from me 
you know, following my own journey towards health and healing. And, you know, it's mostly recipes. It's a lot of how to's and it's evolved as my life has evolved to sharing health and healing advice. I am also a nutritional therapy practitioner and a yoga instructor. And yeah, as far as keto goes, I kind of I don't want to say I fell into it earlier this year, but I decided to dabble because there are so many amazing people that I highly respect, yourself included, that I was like, well, they're kind of, they're selling this hard and not in a like preachy dogmatic way, but like I could see some people were really getting some great results. I have some autoimmune conditions, one of which is an autoimmune form of kidney disease. And I've been working tirelessly for the last couple of years to try to get it into remission and done a lot of various healing protocols and detoxes and things to kind of discovering that my gut was not right. And I had an excess of pathogenic bacteria and a parasite and all these other things. And even through doing all of that, I didn't quite get my kidney disease in remission. And I am stubborn if I'm not anything. So the next step was try something new. And so I decided to start January of this year, experimenting, going with how I felt. And I haven't yet retested my kidneys. I wanted to give my body a full year of, of really working at something. And that's, that's where I'm at with it. So this January, it'll be a solid year of keto, which... I am very happy about. <laughs> that is so awesome. I can remember when you first started and that's, it's, I can't believe it's been a year already. Time flies. I know. I keep wanting to say to people like, oh, I just started. Cause sometimes, you know, like anything in life, you do it a little and it just feels like when you look at other people, it's, I feel so new still, but yeah, it'll be a year. <laughs> that's nuts. And you mentioned a dogmatic way of sharing a diet. What have you seen or what have you experienced when it comes to dogma and diets in your own personal experience? Yeah, I feel like it's, I don't think it's exclusive at all to, to keto. And if anything, I feel like it's one of the the quote labeled diets that I don't see too much of. And maybe I'm just not deeply exposing myself to people that are hardcore keto people. But I remember, you know, having my blog since 2010 and you know, in 2010, there weren't a lot of gluten-free websites. There weren't a lot of food blogs in, in general comparing to now. But for me, approaching my health through food and seeing the sort of effects it could have on my body, I can understand why what is working for you is what you want to put out into the world and tell everybody they should do. In the first few years of having my website, however, I kind of was following a lot of bloggers. And that was about the time, maybe for me at least, and coming into my consciousness, I started seeing, seeing uh, the, the paleo community growing. And while there were tons of people that were at the forefront that were not dogmatic, there were a lot of people at the forefront, but also in my opinion, it was a lot of the people following it that, it, you know, it almost became like a religion. And to be fully honest, and I've, you know, said this to a lot of friends that are deeply rooted in the paleo community that I highly respect, it was what turned me off. And sadly, it was to my own detriment because it was ended, it ended up being that as my own diet and health evolved, I found myself to paleo and realizing that that was the first step to kind of going deeper into looking at my food and understanding how individualistic it could be, but seeing how gnarly people were with each other and how mean and nasty and, and, oh, you're not doing it right. And, oh, if you're eating white rice, you're not paleo. It, you know, it became very sketchy. And so it turned me off and it made me not want to even try 
experimenting with that lifestyle and that way of eating because I just didn't even want to expose myself to that. And yeah, I mean, you see it. I think vegans see it and because you're either not vegan enough or you calling yourself plant-based isn't the right way to say it. I mean, there's just no matter what you choose, there's always somebody kind of running behind you scolding you for it. But it's kind of one of the big motivating factors for me in sharing what I share on my website and trying to do it in an exclusive way, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, you've done such a great job at that. And we started our blogs kind of around the same time. And it's been so cool to kind of like, check up on your website once in a while, follow you on Instagram, and just kind of see how you've grown and we've grown. And it's it's a really interesting um, experience just to see your health too. I mean, the last time we saw each other in person, you were in a very different place health-wise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, it was a couple of years ago, but I think I was like right at the start of this, this most recent journey. Um, and yeah, it's, it's actually really exciting to, to look back and be like, yeah, that was, it almost feels like a different person. And I'm sure you can relate because you've been through so much yourself, but you look back and you're like, wow, what I knew then felt like the epitome of what was to know. And now I look back and I'm like, wow, there's, it's been so much and I've learned so much and experimented with so much. And it's pretty cool. Really awesome words you just used are learning, experimenting. And those are a lot of things that people don't feel confident enough to do on their own is like that experimentation. I'd like to chat about how experimentation with your eating style really kind of was intertwined with maybe your self care and honoring your sacred self and how that gave you the confidence to experiment and trust your body. It's been such a journey and it's, And, you know, I don't ever like to think, oh, I'm at the end of the journey because I feel like in five more years, I'll probably realize in this moment I'm at the start of some new journey. But there's a few like really key moments for me where I kind of had to take a major step back and look at what I had been doing and where I was approaching my health. And, you know, like so many women, there were many, many years where I was probably lying to myself and, and telling myself that whatever I was doing wasn't for weight loss or to look better or to lose weight, I would tell myself it was, oh, I want to feel better. I want to feel better or this or that. And that's when your your eating style can get very disordered and it can feel orthorexic in the sense of, um, you know, setting too many rules without the right expectations, if that makes sense. And so over the last couple of years, you know, once we moved to California from upstate New York and I found a naturopathic doctor that I really loved and trusted after I was diagnosed with the kidney disease, I I remember going into her office and sort of talking through what I had been doing, what we thought I should be doing. And I recall her saying to me, like, are you stressed? You know, and I, and I thought, no, my life's really awesome. It's pretty chill. Like I'm just kind of enjoying life. Like I'm good. And she was like, okay. And then next time I would come in, she would ask me that. And I started to realize through all of the sort of back and forth with my diet and trying things, I was, I was missing a really key thing. And that was self love. I think I was making decisions from a much, it was almost like I was making decisions from a place of fear and being worried about what was happening next or what I looked like, or what was going to help me lose weight or how many calories were right or wrong or what was, you know, and it just, it was never, it was never for the right reasons. It was never about loving myself first and knowing that I deserve to feel my best and whether, you know, whether that was digestively or hormonally or energetically or any of those things, I just think once my, once my approach to my eating and my health and my, all of it kind of combined, once it was coming from a place of, I deserve to feel my best, 
I think that's when I had a massive just shift in everything. And, you know, I use the term sacred self when I'm teaching yoga or a meditation class or even with my nutrition clients. And for me, it just kind of comes down to like trusting that you know what's best for you and honoring that you deserve to feel your best and honoring that kind of like divine within, not to sound too yoga teachery, but you know, that it's not about you need to eat this way because you aren't good enough or you need to eat this way because right now you're not perfect and this next choice of a meal will make you more perfect. I think it's about knowing that you're already perfect how you are and that you deserve whatever you need to feel your very best. And I don't know if that even makes sense, but I just think that for me, it's been a journey of making choices from a place of love. Yeah, it totally made sense to me. I feel you. <laughs> um, and what were there any practices like you mentioned yoga, but were there any things that you were doing for yourself to kind of get yourself in that mind space? Because I'm sure a lot of people that just heard what you said, they're like, sorry, what? <laughs> like, how do I even get in that space where I'm able to, because it takes a level of um, confidence and trust in your body to even get to that point. Were there practices that you did to get there? You know, I always jokingly say that yoga was my gateway drug to self-love. And, you know, from the first time I stepped on a yoga mat to becoming a certified yoga instructor, there was a many, many years between. And I wouldn't say I stepped on my mat and I just thought, oh my God, I love myself. Like I'm killing it today. I'm amazing. Like that's not at all what happened. I stepped on my yoga mat like so many other people, especially women. And I thought, wow, I really don't want to be in the front of the class because I don't want anyone looking at me. And oh, I, I bet my ass looks really big in these pants. Like, did I choose the right pant? Like, how do I look in this pose? And it was, you know, like so many other people. And so, you know, yoga was played a big role in the sense of over time as my practice evolved, I started to learn to respect and love my body for everything it could do instead of constantly shaming myself and my body for all of the things it wasn't. So I was always able to look in the mirror and pick apart my body and be like, oh, your thighs are too big or your stomach's too flabby or your this is too that. And, you know, while I stepped on my yoga mat, I didn't stop doing those things to myself. But I just it was the beginning of me learning that while in my mind, I wasn't perfect. What my body had done for me up until that point was everything I needed it to. And if I didn't take care of it and I didn't treat it with love and respect and kindness and compassion and all the things that it deserved, it wasn't going to make it through till <laughs> the end of time, which I would love for it to do. So, you know, and I think for some people that practice may not be yoga. It might be getting off and getting off your couch and taking a short walk. And if that short walk was more than what you did yesterday, I can guarantee that the way that you feel after you get out and move your body and make a choice from a place of love and caring and compassion that it's just going to be the first step and, you know, in a literal sense and figuratively speaking. So, you know, that for me has evolved over many, many years of my yoga practice plays less of a role in my day to day life. But it was just for me, I think the beginning of many, many choices for uh, reasons, reasons that I had never kind of given for myself, if that makes sense. More on my interview with Beth Manosbriki after this message from one of our podcast partners. Support for this podcast comes from Broya. Okay, so I know Canadians always get left out of special podcast offers, but I have one for you. 
and it involves bone broth, real wholesome quality made bone broth. I've searched high and low for a Canadian bone broth product that I could feel good about sharing and I've finally found it. Enter Broya, whose organic chicken and grass-fed beef bones are slowly cooked for 24 hours and made with ethically sourced, antibiotic-free, hormone-free Canadian-based ingredients. And total game changer, their single-serve bone broths are perfectly flavored with turmeric, salt, apple cider vinegar, and more. Plus, they come in glass bottles, making Broya bone broth super easy to consume. You can go to broyaliving.com and use the coupon code KETO10, all in caps, no spaces, for 10% off. And so now that you're more connected to your sacred self and you have that self-care practice and more of that confidence and trust in your body, how does that translate to, you know, you were saying you started the keto diet a year ago. It sounds like you had a pretty good feeling of your body and trust in your body at that point. How did you approach keto in a way that honored your sacred self? That's a good question. I think... And man, when your book came out, your book, I had already been experimenting with keto and I don't remember how, what month did your book come out? April. Yeah. April, April 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, up until April, I, I had obviously used all of your resources a lot for myself in terms of deciding where to start and what does it even mean to be keto and how strict do I have to be and will it work if I do this or don't do this? I was kind of at the point where I was like, am I doing this right? And then your book came out. And for me, it was, it was that reassurance of there is no one right way to do it. And I was already feeling that way and I was already approaching it that way because that's kind of how I approach everything in life at this point. But I just kind of decided I went all in and I just thought, I'm going to see how I feel. And that's, you know, whether it's a new workout class or new people you meet or a new restaurant or new food or whatever the thing is, is I kind of, for myself, this is my approach. And I try to teach my readers this and I try to teach and empower my nutrition clients this. I think the best thing you have as a guide is your inner voice, your intuition, that sort of primal ability to know what's best for us. And you know, some days I would go solo carb and the next day I would feel horrible. And it was about listening to my body and not what some set of, you know, uh, arbitrary rules that somebody else came up with is saying that I should do, if that makes sense. So it was very much about making a move, quieting myself, my life, the world around me enough to listen to what my body was trying to tell me. And while I'm not a, a big tracker in the sense of how much of this, how much of that, I am very big on tracking my body's response and how I feel emotionally, energetically, digestively, all of the things that kind of could tell me the story that I need to know about how to proceed. So it's it's weird because it's like you can't write blog posts about just listen to your body. I mean, mm -hmm. it's hard to explain that to people, but nothing in my life has given me more direction than just listening to myself, you know? Yeah. And it sounds like I know for me, when I was trying to learn how to listen to my body, it was a lot of journaling and writing. It's not like you just sit there with your body and you have a full on conversation. Like, what do you feel today? I'm not sure. What what do you think? You know, um, it's more, you know, if I don't know if spaghetti squash makes you bloated and uncomfortable, what's that about? Was it something that you added with it? Was it something you combined it with it? And that's more what you mean by listening to your body, especially when you first get started of how did I feel today? Th those sorts of questions. Is that right? Yeah. And I mean, if you look at my, <laughs> I have an iPhone, like probably everybody else. And, you know, we all have the the notes app. If somebody were to look at my notes app, I 
pretty sure they would think I was like a sociopath because there's just random notes that are like, uh, like you said, like white potato, super bloated. And then underneath it'll be like everything I ate with it. And then I'll put another date of the next time I have white potato and see like, oh, is that was it the white potato or was it the fact that I had like 70,000 nightshades with it, additional nightshades, you know, so like 100% it's that level of journaling. So whether it's on your phone in a journal, whether it's, you know, about the brain fog aspect or the digestive aspect, whatever it is that you're experiencing, I think the more, the more you play and experiment, the more you kind of see those subtle differences that make you get to be picky about your health, which I feel like is a blessing to be able to get to a point where you can be choosy and picky about like this one thing made me feel this way and I don't want to feel this way. I deserve to feel better. So what am I going to change about tomorrow so I don't experience this again? Yes, totally. I totally agree with you. And keeping keeping that kind of at the forefront of, you know, honoring your sacred self, listening to your body, journaling, trying to understand what food does in your body. I'd love to run through a couple of like keto diet quote unquote rules or misconceptions or diet dogma and kind of keeping that sacred self front of mind how we would approach keto from a place of loving kindness. You cool with that? Yeah. Awesome. So net carbs versus total carbs when you first got started and even now, what's your stance on that? Do you care? Thoughts? (laughs) You know, for me personally, I... I use net carbs because having suffered with digestive issues and an excess of gut bacteria and all these different things, I noticed that, you know, I could easily just from a standpoint of feeling satiated and what, what I love to eat, I could very easily go super duper duper low carb. Like I'm a happy girl if I've got some quality meats, a lot of fat and like good greens. That said, there are times that I know my gut is in need of more fiber you know, fiber helps feed the good bacteria. It helps slow down the absorption of when you do include those carbohydrates. So for me, you know, it's the easiest approach to making sure that I'm not going so low carb that I'm actually missing important nutrients. So I don't count. I don't go, oh, well, I just had this at this meal and I had this and on my phone, there's not any documents where I'm, you know, tracking each of those things. But, um, Again, it's kind of like doing it, seeing how I feel when I go a little more or a little less. But yeah. Cool. And how do you feel about eating too much fat versus not enough fat? I know that you wrote a post recently on all the different types of fat and the benefits of each one, which was awesome. But how do you feel on like you mentioned earlier, tracking your food isn't really your jam. I don't like it either. How do you know where your happy place is with fat if you don't track it? So I've in the last couple of years of my health as my health has improved I've shifted from an every morning vinyasa or ashtanga yoga practice to now going to the gym and lifting weights and swinging kettlebells and working out with a trainer and I do that usually 5 to 6 days a week and so I'm not saying that that's like necessary to eating this way but for me it's actually one of the best it's one of the best forms of feedback I have in my life because it's kind of the constant, right? So like every day, you know, at work, whether you work from home or go to a job, like everything's a little bit different. When I go to the gym, obviously my workouts vary, but it's the one time of day every day around the same time that I'm exerting a, a substantial amount of energy. And so for me, it's, it's a really good way to be like, oh, okay, once again, if I'm 
having a week where I'm journaling or tracking what I'm eating, if I have a workout where I'm like, man, I crashed hard in the middle, I can look back and go, oh, you know what? Yesterday I really didn't eat a lot of fat or I haven't carved up in a while. I think it's maybe time I experiment with that. And so, you know, in terms of fat specifically, I think it's just about how my workouts suffer, how my energy is doing. And then, you know, in addition to that, that really wonderful feedback, something else that I've noticed since going keto, that's been amazing feedback is the, the clear headedness, the ability to really focus in my work day. And again, I don't know if that's, is there enough fat? Is there not enough fat? Is there, you know, how low am I in glucose storage right now or whatever, but it's again, another really great feedback where if I'm having a day where I'm not able to focus or I'm having a problem with word recall or brain fog or energy, again, I just kind of look back and see what I did the day before and make some tweaks. And to be fully honest, you know, it's not the same every week. Some weeks I find based on my life and what I have going on and just maybe hormones, there's some weeks that I'm like, man, I need a lot more fat this week. And then that shifts the next week. So it's, it's nice to be to be not strict to where I can be open and sort of shift with what my body needs in the moment. Yeah, and I love that you're talking about the feedback that your body's giving you. I have very strong feedbacks, acne being one of them. <laughs> if I do an incorrect thing for my body, it's like instantly I get acne. Yeah, that's I get a little of that. And man, oh man, when you when you bring vanity into it, that'll make you change things real quick. I don't want more zits. So whatever I did yesterday, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Totally. And another one is my bowel movements. Like I know if I've had too much fat, not enough fat, had not enough to eat or stressed or whatever, I can really tell with that too. So like you said, just certain feedbacks that certain people have, it's probably different for everyone, but some ideas on what to watch for. Yeah, I would definitely say that I've in terms of too much fat, I mean there's not it's easy in terms for me of of those different feedbacks that I've talked about being able to be like, well, I definitely didn't eat enough fat, but for sure, I would say bowel movements for too much fat that, that, or like, I'm very aware from going through the nutritional therapy program and learning how to actually palpate the gallbladder. I'm very aware of where my gallbladder in my body is. And there are times that I'm like, Oh, I did. I went too far because my gallbladder is just hurting. Like it just, hurts. It's too much. Like, or you have that explosive moment where your body's like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Yeah. Usually totally. it's uh, MCT, liquid MCT oil on an empty stomach. And when I haven't been nice to my body, that's usually great feedback for a little too much this morning, Beth, you went too far. <laughs> <laughs> but have you tried MCT oil powder? You have, oh, right? Oh, girl, I am upset. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. Stuff. Like so much better. Like I will never have the regular like, oil again. <laughs> I know. I kind of bounce back and forth just because sometimes I run out of the powder and I'll have the oil here. And I don't know if this has been your experience with the liquid, but it's like, it's like just when I'm like, all right, we're into it. We've got a good vibe. Like we're doing good with the MCT oil. Then I'll have a day out of nowhere where speaking of tracking and feedback where nothing is different, everything exactly, exactly the same. And I'll have a boosted coffee. I'll put the liquid oil and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not going anywhere this morning for at least the next hour because I'll be in the bathroom six times. And yeah. it's like, it's, I don't like that gamble. <laughs> it's totally. not fun. I have never experienced that, but Kevin does. Like my does husband. He? Oh yeah. Can't even do 
MCTO anymore. Even the, like, even the, like the look of it or when I pour it into something, he's like, Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> so I think, yeah, totally. And it's, it can get frustrating when you are relying on your body for those feedbacks and you've done everything similar. And then there's just a different day. Like you said, where I did exactly the same thing yesterday, but now today I'm sitting on the toilet six times in the morning. Um, how do you approach that when it's been the same, the same, the same, and then something changes clearly, but you can't pinpoint what that was. That's a really good question. You know, if it's a one-time thing, I'll take it with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. and just be like, you know, there's so many factors. I also try to remember that even when we might, you know, kind of getting back to what I was speaking about earlier, when my naturopathic doctor asked me if I was stressed and I was, the answer was no. And it was no until it was, yeah, you're right. I'm stressed. I didn't even realize how stressed I am. I think a lot a lot of times we tell ourselves stories of how things are versus how they really are. And I think, you know, we forget that stress in the body may be very, very obvious to us, like a really horrible drive home because everyone's, you know, tailing you and beeping at you and driving like maniacs or you or you and your partner get into an argument and you're very aware, acutely aware that there's stress. But I think sometimes there's stress in our life that we're not acknowledging, whether it's like an internal stress of putting something in our body we don't know our body doesn't want, whether it's working out too hard, which can, even though it doesn't feel stressful to you mentally, it may be stressing your your nervous system in a way or travel and how, you know, maybe two or three days after you've flown home from a, a long flight, your body's still, still exper- experiencing an internal stressor. And I think, you know, when our body's in that fight or flight mode of stress, our digestion doesn't work the same way as it does when we're relaxed. And so I think, you know, knowing, again, I feel very fortunate to have gone through a nutrition program and have learned so, so much about my body that sometimes I just think, you know what, throw your hands up in the air and know that something's going on. And maybe it just means I need to relax today more than I would have yesterday, or find extra space or time to take care of myself. So yeah, I try to not be quite so literal and always just look at those meals or, you know, every little thing as the same as it was yesterday, because it really never is. <laughs> yes, totally. And, and chatting about feedbacks too. how do you know, like when you're hungry? That's a question I get a lot as somebody who's been listening to their body for quite some time. It's become quite easy for me to be like, I'm hungry now I will eat. Um, did you ever have that experience of not really knowing when you're hungry, when you should eat, when you shouldn't eat, and also how that uh, intertwines with your fasting practice if you practice intermittent fasting. Yeah, I do actually. And it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people that have never experimented with fasting or compressed eating windows would probably look at it like it feels very restricting. And it's like, oh, but you can only eat between these certain hours. I've never ever, ever in my life felt more free in terms of food than I do when I'm fasting because it's not about, oh, it's this time. This is the time we eat this meal. And now I have to figure out what I'm going to make for this meal because it's time to do this thing that I've been told for all of my life I'm supposed to do right now. I think when I first started experiencing true hunger versus that idea of like mentally attached to a time of eating, 
it was pretty amazing because I'm like, I'm actually hungry. I want to put food in my body because I feel like it's time to put fuel in the engine, if that makes sense. So, you know, I think that what that is for everybody may be different. So whether it's, you know, you actually feel an energy depletion, you start to notice that, you know, cognitively you're not as focused or true stomach grumbling. I think that those signs are maybe different for everybody, but I think, you know, again, sort of shutting out external ideas and noise and just tapping into knowing what your body needs. I, I just find it to be so much easier to be like, it's time for a meal because I feel this way. I eat for energy and I still, I love food as much as I ever have. And I have a website full of recipes that I love creating, but I think stepping away and being like, I'm eating in this moment because my body needs it. It's just, it's just so free. It's so incredible. More on my interview with Beth Manosbriki after this message from one of our podcast partners. The show is partnered up with Paleo Valley, the makers of the only 100% grass-fed and finished fermented beef stick. Each stick contains 1 billion probiotic CFUs, and we all know how important fermented foods are to the health of our gut and the strength of our immune system, as well as boosting overall energy. Chowing down on Paleo Valley's fermented beef sticks provides your body with all of the beneficial bacteria it loves in one convenient little stick. Their gut-friendly sticks are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, GMO-free, freaky chemical, additive dye, and preservative-free, as well as being 100% free from carbs and sugar, and made with the highest quality ingredients. Exclusive to listeners of the show, you can receive an instant savings of 20% off Paleo Valley fermented beef stick snacks by going to paleovalley.com keto. And if your jaw is tired just thinking about beef jerky, I gotta tell you that these tasty treats are not tough at all, but moist with a little snap. Again, that's paleovalley.com slash keto for an instant 20% off savings. And if you're unsure of the link, simply check out the show notes of today's episode to get all of the details. And are there ever times where, you know, you jump on social media or you're out with friends who might be eating keto or otherwise, and then you play the comparing game and you kind of forget everything that you've learned over the years and just be like, why aren't I doing that? Or I should be doing this or I should be doing that better. And if so, how do you handle that? I don't know that I compare like I should be doing this or should be doing that. But there are times that I think, you know, like perfect example is I was in Mexico. I don't know if that was last week or the week before for uh, the American Thanksgiving. We were in Mexico. And, you know, there was a bunch of us staying in a house. And if I was at home and it was a normal weekday, I would get up, I would have a lot of water, and then I would have my coffee when I was ready and boost it in whatever way I was boosting it that way. And then I would go to the gym, work out, and then based on my energy and how hungry I am and how my workout was, eat right away or give myself a little bit more time. When I travel and I'm somewhere with other people and part of the experience of being with people and part of the connection in being together in that moment is a meal. I have, I don't want to say guilt because I definitely never attach guilt to food and eating, but it's like, I have this slight internal struggle struggle where I think I don't really want to eat right now. Like I don't want to eat because I don't need to eat. I'd like to continue fasting. I feel better when I do that. But there's 12 people in this rented house on the beach in Mexico and we're overlooking the ocean. And we're all having this beautiful Mexican breakfast that, you know, somebody took the time to cook. And like, there's so much love in food. And there's so much love in somebody creating food for you. And there's so much 
emotion in sitting with people and connecting in that way that I have that struggle for a moment. And then I think, who cares? It's one day. It's one meal. Like I'm going to eat this meal and maybe I'll eat three meals today instead of two or whatever it is. And I just let myself have that experience in terms of like looking at what other people are doing online and thinking I should be doing it differently. I generally just kind of look at everybody in a way you know, it's just like I was saying about experimenting with fasting and feeling more free than ever. I feel like learning that there is no one answer for every person and every body. I now look at everybody and I just think, oh, that's great for her if it works like that. I couldn't do that. And maybe sometimes I wish I could. But generally, I think I just that's amazing that that works for her or him or whoever it is. And, you know, I just keep feeling what's feeling or keep doing what feels good for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And also patience with your body too. If you're coming from a place, I know that when I didn't have a period, for example, uh, it was really hard to watch other women do things that I just couldn't do because I was still healing and being patient with my body. And I think that there will always be people. I know that there's still times I call it like the three o'clock um, comparison hour where at three o'clock when I've had a really long day, I just end up finding myself on, you know, it was really big back when there weren't a lot of food blogs, like you were saying, like back in like 2012, you know, checking out everyone's blog and being like, why aren't they doing that? How come they're doing this and that whole thing. And I think that you know, when we're on a eating style regimen or something, or we're trying to heal our bodies, oftentimes we get caught up in, oh, well, she was able to lose 30 pounds and I'm only at 15. What's wrong with me? I need to work harder. So I think that your answer is wonderful to help people through that for sure. Well, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a age old saying, and I often use it, you know, in different ways, but it's like the idea that comparison is the thief of joy. It, like, there really couldn't be a more beautiful quote because it's the moment that you, whether it's diet and eating and food or looks or, you know, body type, hair color, I mean, you name it, we could compare ourselves. Like, you know, I think that you stop once again, making choices for yourself from a place of love and rather you're making them because you, you feel inadequate or you feel less than, or you don't feel worthy. And I think that it's, it just becomes less important to listen to yourself and more important to try to keep up with somebody else. And that's when things kind of go. I mean, I look at myself in all the years that I used to diet this way and count calories, count points, do all of these things that all was happening is that I didn't believe I was good enough where I was at. And I also wanted to be something that I wasn't. And I was making choices from the wrong place. And, you know, we're all smart. Well, I'd like to think many of us are smart enough to realize that a lot of what people put out into the world, especially with social media, is it's highly curated. They're sharing the parts of themselves that they most want you to see. And if we continue to compare ourselves to what is maybe a projection of an actual human being, it's just going to lead to always feeling inadequate. And it's just it's never going to go well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. And what would you recommend to somebody who isn't as confident or is just starting out and developing an individualized approach? Like we chatted about the comparison piece, but if somebody listening is like, wow, okay, sacred self, trusting my body, I think I'm ready for this, but I'm terrified. What should, yeah. what would you tell them? Well, I mean, I think first of all, as somebody that has long struggled with fear in every different capacity, I mean, from a very tangible, like, you know, being afraid of heights or being afraid of not being good enough or whatever word you or whatever emotion you want to attach it to or, or moment you want to attach it to, you know, 
I can only say this from experience. And so it's, <laughs> you kind of have to trust in this idea, but I think that everything that you want is always on the other side of your fears. And I think there's a reason we're afraid of things. It's because we, it's almost like we know deep down that once we kind of move past this thing, that's super scary, there's something even better, but you kind of have to go through the weeds and the woods to, to find that, that beauty. So I would say kind of honor that you're afraid and not don't pretend it's not happening and don't ignore that fear, but just also know that pushing through sometimes in a comfortable place and whatever that means for you is part of the process. And that's where you kind of learn. That's where you learn what is going to work for you and what isn't going to work for you. And I think, you know, it's really hard because I think the idea of eating intuitively and living intuitively and tapping into your inner voice and this idea of sacred self, like it's a really hard practice to, I don't want to say teach, but to sort of to teach or to share or to, to bring other people into because it, it's so individualistic. I mean, it's is as unique to you and the process of it is as unique as unique to you as your fingerprints are. And so for me, it's like, I can't say, you know, the best thing you could do is go to a yoga class because in a yoga class, this thing's going to happen and then tomorrow everything's going to be better. I mean, like I was saying earlier, it could be a short walk, but I think, I think the idea of baby steps and doing a little something that maybe feels out of your comfort zone, feels a little scary to you, honoring that, living with it for a moment and seeing how you do and maybe push it a little further and try something a little scarier tomorrow, whether it we're talking about your diet or, you know, something else in life. I think it's about just knowing where you're at in your journey and sort of proceeding <laughs> appropriately. Completely. And would you feel the same way about the fear of making a mistake? I know that I hear from a lot of people that are, you know, ready to start trusting their body a little bit more, but they're a little bit terrified that, for example, carb ups, th that they're going to try carb ups and the first night they're going to pound 500 grams of carbs and totally screw up and be back at square one, which isn't really possible, but we won't even go there um, today. Um, but just chat about like, the mistakes, like, are you ever paralyzed? Or how do you handle the fear of mistakes? Do you have a fear of mistakes? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know that anybody doesn't struggle with that on some level, uh, you know, at any given time, I probably would say, just given the, the random year that I've had of pushing myself past my comfort, it's getting easier for me, but it's like anything. It's just a practice of pushing and pushing and trying and not being afraid. I've just kind of gotten to this point where, you know, there's so much crazy stuff happening in the world and there's so many people struggling with so many things. And when I look at, you know, if I carb up tonight, what's going to happen. I just always tell myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like the best thing is, is that I realize it's exactly what my body needed. The worst thing that could happen is I feel like crap and I know, and I know that I made a mistake, but probably a really good example of this for me is that over the summer, I would say I was, you know, six or seven months into being keto and, you know, following it pretty, I don't want to say strictly because that feels like there's rules and, you know, but for me, it was, it was pretty like I had it dialed in. I, I wasn't eating very many carbs. I knew when I needed to, I knew what kind of carbs I went to Yosemite for a week long camping trip. It was like a fitness based camping trip. We did so many epic hikes. One of them was like 22 miles. We were on the trail for 14 hours. This was the second hike. The first hike of the week was about a 10 mile hike, but it was in the middle of the hot summer day and very 
very steep incline. And it was like the second day of us being in Yosemite. So leading up to that moment, I had been at home eating very strictly keto, very low carb, you know, practicing carb ups now and again, but not too often at that point, because I just felt so good that I guess that would be a moment where I was a little bit fearful of, I feel so good. Why would I do something that would ruin that? So we go on this hike and, you know, obviously we're on the trails all day and I packed my backpack with trail snacks and we packed lunches and, you know, we had gluten-free bread and everybody made, you know, different sandwiches with gluten-free bread or not. And I was like, I'm not going to make a sandwich. I don't really eat bread. I just took lettuce and rolled up some of the lunch meat and packed all my other trail snacks that were all keto friendly. And before we even, you know, hit the middle point, which was the top of the peak to turn around, I would say maybe halfway, halfway up our going up. I was crashing and I was crashing in a way that I'd never really experienced because I've never really done hikes at this level. And I've definitely never done anything this strenuous since going keto. And I was crashing and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I am in great shape. I do. I work out five to six days a week. Like this shouldn't be happening. And my trainer's like, you've got this. You have to push through. I'm like, no, no, I don't need a pep talk. This isn't mental. Like I can physically feel my body failing me right now. Like I don't have the energy and I don't know what to do. And we got up to the top of the mountain and everyone's having lunch and I'm eating my like lettuce wrapped lunch meat. And I just had this moment of like, you dummy, like you were so worried about the fear of like, if I eat carbs today, what's that going to do to the practice that I've been doing for the last seven months that, uh, and I mean, how could I call myself a dummy? I didn't know until this moment, but I just, I realized in that moment, I'm like, I have to be flexible with this because if I'm not flexible with it, it's like any other thing in the world, I'm not going to be able to make this a long-term lifestyle and it'll just become this thing that only works in certain times or that I go to and go away from and come back to. So I think that's probably a really good example of what you're talking about. And like the rest of the trip, it was almost fun. I'm like, oh, so apparently my body needs some carbs right now. And I was like eating popcorn and having sandwiches on real bread and taking 23 mile, 22 mile hikes for 14 hours and doing some of the most gnarly stuff I've ever done in my life. And my energy level was exactly where I needed it to be, if not higher. So it was kind of a beautiful reminder of you got to be flexible, you know, and listen to your body. That's amazing. That's a perfect story. That was perfect. Perfect. Um, Okay, my last question for you. Well, my second last, what do you feel is missing in the keto space for women? I like to ask all Mm. my guests that. It's, that's a hard thing to answer, because I'm not very Suply deeply rooted in the the keto world in terms of like really diving deeply into the community. That said, I've read a lot of books and listened to a lot of podcasts, but and this is not me. <laughs> I promise I'm not sucking up because I'm already on your podcast. I feel like everything that I could say was missing until your book came out or would for most people they might find is missing. I feel like you cover in your book because I feel like you honor the idea of, you know, approach what works for you. And so while you give people the options for a more strict counting approach, you also offer like, let's just talk about being fat fueled and understand that like, that's still making major progress for your body and your health. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing I could think of, I guess, just more of you, more people like you, more of you being out there, more of getting your, your word and your approach into the hands of women, because a lot of women that have come to me and been like, Oh, I, I know about keto. And they're like, telling me all about it. And I ask, how are your hormones? Like, are you practicing any carb ups? Like, have you experienced any of these, you know, symptoms that we all know to be related to 
you know, somebody that's maybe gone too low carb and has hormone imbalances. And they're like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of that. And then I realized that there's just not enough people talking about it. So maybe just more voices, I guess. Yeah, cool. I love it. Thank you so much, Beth. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, And where can people find you? You can find me, my uh, website with all of my recipes and all of my different content is Tasty Yummies. So it's tasty-yummies.com. And on all social media, I am at Tasty Yummies. So two Y's in the middle. Love it. Awesome. Thanks, Beth. You rock. And um, the show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulperceived.com slash podcast slash E66. And thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Leanne. It was my pleasure. And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.